today, uh, as we get started, I want to share a story with you uh, in, in starting that uh, I read this week. And uh, it was, I, I read a story about a guy that, that jumped out of a plane. And uh, the good news uh, about that was that as he jumped out of the plane, he had a parachute. So that was the good news. Uh, and that is good news. I mean, if you jump out of a plane, that's good news. Uh, the bad news is, is that the parachute didn't work. The good news was that he saw a haystack uh, where he was uh, headed toward. Uh, the bad news is that there was a pitchfork in the haystack. The good news is that he missed the pitchfork. The bad news is that he missed the haystack. <laughs> All right, and so with that understood, see, most of our life is kind of a, this series of bad news, good news stuff, isn't it? I mean, it's like whatever is going good, there's probably something bad, and if there's something bad, there's probably something good. You just kind of have to hold on and, and wait for it to circle back around. And last Sunday on the first Sunday of December, we started a, a series of messages to prepare ourselves for Christmas. And we talked about last week how no matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you plan, no matter how bad you want to have the perfect ideal Christmas, it is almost guaranteed sooner or later to have the wheels fall off the wagon and the whole thing to go off track. Now, I've talked to several of you this week who have actually had that happen this week already. I mean, before, before we got to Monday of this last week, some of you were already experiencing exactly what we talked about last Sunday. And for those of you who haven't had the wheels fall off the wagon yet and your perfect Christmas plans already go awry, hang on because it's probably coming. You got two weeks left, it's probably gonna happen, so just get ready. But that's the bad news. But there is Good news, yay, good news. Here's the good news. Whether that's happened to you already or not, or whether it happens to you in the next couple of weeks, regardless of your status or situation, anybody that is hearing my voice in this message this morning, you need to know that no matter what happens, you can still have a better than usual Christmas regardless of the circumstances. I know some of you, you're thinking to yourself, how in the world is that possible? How in the world could I possibly have a better than usual Christmas if the wheels are falling off the wagon? Well, that is a wonderful question. I am so glad you asked. And to, to kind of get some answers to that this morning, I want us to look at at uh, uh, some guys that I, I think we can learn this really important lesson from. In the Bible, they're often referred to as the three wise men. And of course, I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I mean, they were really on fire for Jesus. Um, <laughs> now, I'm really not talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that is a great story. Uh, and they were wise men. But that's not the wise men that I want to talk about. Open your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. It's the first gospel. So Matthew, chapter 2, and we'll begin reading 
in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east, from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and we've come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now, just as an aside, you've heard the saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? You've heard that? Well, that was the case with Herod. If Herod wasn't happy, ain't nobody happy. And that's why you see all Jerusalem was troubled with Herod, because if Herod was troubled, they're all troubled. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me so that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Gold, and as many kids in children's church says, Frankenstein and myrrh. <laughs> and then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we open up your word this morning and we are in the middle of this season of Christmas, it's a very, very special season where we acknowledge that you left the majesty, the splendor, the glory of heaven, God, to come down to this broken world. God, I pray that you will speak to us from the words of Matthew this morning. God, may we set everything else aside this morning and hear only what you have to say through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, may we know that we've met with you when all is said and done. And we will give you honor and glory in this place because you are truly worthy. And all God's people said, amen. So we read the story of the three wise men in Matthew chapter 2. And we're asking ourselves, okay, if the wheels fall off of your perfectly planned Christmas and nothing is going the way that you wanted it to, how in the world can you possibly still have a better than usual Christmas? Well, I think we can discern that and learn that very importantly from what we see happening in the three wise men. And first thing that I would suggest to you is to make sure that you look for the right thing. Look for the right thing this Christmas. Now, 
that brings up the question, doesn't it? What are you looking for this Christmas? What is it that you want for this Christmas? Now, I will tell you that if you're in, in our house, and probably a lot of you are like me, not everybody, I get that. But we love on the day of Thanksgiving, figuring out what you want for Christmas starts that day. You know how? You run down to the local store, you get the local newspaper, and you come home with this giant newspaper that's never this big any other time of the year because it's full of flyers, advertisers about who's got the good stuff and where's it at and how much is it gonna cost? How many of you do that? Come on, be honest, I do. Okay, some of you are telling the truth, some of you just don't want anybody to know how, how materialistic you are, that's okay. So, so you go on that Starbucks, brother. So, so you go and you get all these, and you lay them all out and you start making your plan. You start strategizing. Oh, that's good. That's good. You know, we got to have the perfect toy for, for a little junior, a little sissy. And, and you got to have the right thing for your husband or your wife or mom or dad. You got to get the right thing. You got to know where you're going. And so you start mapping out where you're going to go and how you're going to get there and what place you're going to go to first and who you're going to go with because you don't want anybody to see what you're getting for somebody else because they might tell because they're blabbermouth. My brother never wanted to go shopping with me when we were kids because I would always tell mama what he bought. My mother, on the other hand, she loved me going with my brother because she loved, she loved knowing before she even got it. And, and honestly, I do, I do too. I, I'm, I'm about to confess on myself. I, I've never been big on surprises. When my parents would leave the house, I would, I would go and I would take the tape off the packages and I would look. This is terrible. I know, I would look. But, but you know, I'll tell you how I justified it. Because when my parents would come back home, things that I didn't ask for and I knew were under the tree, I would say, hey, mama, you know what? I've been thinking about something I'd like to have. I'd like to have something. And I knew it was already in there because I saw it. And then I'd see my mom start smiling because like, oh, I did such a good job. I already got him something that he wants and he doesn't even know I got it. I was bad. But you start planning out your special trips because you, you, there, you know what you want. And you start strategizing about what it is that you want to make this Christmas exactly what you want it to be. Now, for a lot of you, it is what you see in the sales papers. It's what's in the flyers. Maybe for some of you, it's a special trip. And you'd like to get the heck out of Dodge and say, I'm tired of cold weather. I want to go to Bermuda for Christmas. Amen. Or maybe it's somebody special that you would love to come visit you. And in your mind, if any one of those things would happen, that is what, would what make the perfect Christmas. And you're looking for the perfect Christmas in a gift or a place or a person. And I would tell you this morning that as we look at the wise men, we see that's not what they were looking for at all on the very first Christmas. What were they looking for? I would tell you this is the same thing that we should be looking for and it is an opportunity to worship Jesus. As we head into the Christmas season, if you wanna have a better than usual Christmas, this should be at the very top of what you're looking for for Christmas.
Now, interestingly enough, there is this sort of paradigm about men that uh, we don't like to stop and take directions. And, you know, we'll drive in circles for hours looking for, this, for the thing because we don't want anybody to know that we don't know where it is. But contrary to that popular opinion of men, the wise men actually stopped and asked for directions. They stopped and they said, where is the king of the Jews? They were, hey, point us in the right direction. And church, wherever you are this morning, whatever is going on, anytime you stop and ask for directions about how and where to worship Jesus, you are moving in the right direction. We ask for a lot of things, but often we fail to ask for probably the most important. How and where can I go worship the Savior? Now, I know sometimes we talk about worship. It's a, it's a word that we're so familiar with. But I think sometimes when we get very, really familiar with the word, that we, we run the risk of really kind of losing the value of the word. It's like it just doesn't mean anything anymore. Or maybe you never really looked into what the word really means. You, you would just accept it because you've heard it so many times. You have a, a basic idea of what you think it is, but maybe you're not exactly hitting the nail on the head. So let me give you a way to kind of evaluate what worship really is this morning. Worship is worth-ship. That's what worship is. Worship is ascribing worth to something or someone. And you know how you can tell what has worth in your life? It's the things that you devote time and attention to. Now, I think both of those things are part and parcel of, of worship because church I think we can all agree that you can show up to church and you can say, I'm here to worship and you can give your time, but your attention is not here. You know what? That ain't worship. You can say, well, that matters a lot to me and I'll give it my attention, but you never give it any time. That ain't worship. Worship is something that you give worth to and it involves both time and attention. It is both and. Now, here's, here's what I think a lot of us really struggle with when it comes to what are we really worth-shipping each year? What are you worth-shipping this Christmas? What are you giving your time and attention to this Christmas season? Well, I think there's a lot of things that compete with Jesus for that title. And here's just a few. Job opportunities and your title at work. You know, when it comes to, to this time of the year and, and everything's trying to get wrapped up, do you have to make a living? Absolutely, you gotta make a living. God has given you a job and a place where you can provide for your family and provide for the church through your tithe. But when what you think your worth is based on where you're at 
and what they think of you and your time and attention goes there instead of the savior of the world who came during the Christmas season, then your worship is at your job, not your Lord. I gotta tell you another thing that people really struggle with is their personal reputation. Man, we spend a lot of time on social media trying to show what we've, what we've bought, how we've done. De- now, is that wrong? No, but it is if your intention is wrong. If you're trying to, to merit value in somebody else's mind because of what they see on your Facebook page or your Twitter page or your Instagram, look at what I did, look at where I went, look at what I've got. Your worship is out of whack. Um, a lot of people invest way too much worship in sports. Now, I'm telling you, as, as a pastor standing before you, I love sports. I've played sports since I was a small child. I love them. But if sports ever competes with the place of God in my life, my worship is in the wrong place. And I'm going to tell you one that's going to hurt for a lot of people, and I don't expect to get a whole lot of amens because I'm going to step on some toes. Can I, is it okay if I step on some toes? I tell you, I think one of the biggest problems in the modern world for worship and even in the modern church is our children. We are worshiping our children over our Savior. See, everything is centered around our kids. Everything is centered around whether or not we please them, whether or not they have the right opportunity, whether or not they get to the right place, whether or not they have the right group of friends, whether or not you know, they're, they're getting on the right teams. And we have raised our children in too many circumstances to a place that eleva- elevates them above our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Anything that competes with the worship of Jesus and replaces him needs to be brought down a peg or two and Jesus needs to go back to the top of that list. Amen? And we can see in the activity of the wise men that they came to worship. So they were looking for an opportunity to worship. That's one way that you can have a better than usual Christmas And the other thing they did is that they looked for satisfaction in the right place. They looked for it in the right place. They didn't go to any of the other places that we already talked about. They weren't looking for satisfaction or a sense of of accomplishment in any other thing other than showing up where Jesus was at and finding and worshiping and prostrating themselves before Jesus. Jesus, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And folks, listen, wherever you are, and if you watch this on on Facebook, on video later, if you are looking this Christmas for satisfaction and to have a good Christmas, if you're looking for satisfaction in the family or friends or anything else, you are likely to be sorely disappointed. You know why? Because people are sinners. And we're broken and flawed. There is one who is perfect. There is one who is righteous. And his name is Jesus. And if 
and only if we will put him at the top and we will find our satisfaction and our purpose in him, that's the only way you will find yourself having a better than usual Christmas. I heard a story of a a guy that had an opportunity to sell Coca-Cola in the Middle East. And, you know, he, he was looking for satisfaction in his job. You know, he wanted to make his mark. It's like, man, I, I want everybody to know who I am. I, I want to make my place in, in the business world. I, wanna, I want my name to rise up in Coca-Cola. He was so excited because, dude, I mean, you know, it's like selling Coke in, in the desert. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So he left his friends and his family, and he goes off to the Middle East, and he thinks, man, I'm going to make a fortune. He comes back about four months later, and it was a disaster. It's like, how in the world can you not sell Coca-Cola in the Middle East? And uh, so he comes back, he says, man, I I came up with this great advertising scheme. He said, man, I, I put these three pictures together on a poster, and we put them all over the place. I had, a, I had the first picture was a guy crawling through the desert, you know, his tongue hanging out of his mouth, you know, and panting. And the second um, was him, him standing, you know, before a, a Coke bottle. And the third was him drinking Coke and, uh, and just having a, a great life. And all of his friends go, man, how does that not work? I mean, it's in the desert. You'd think that would be perfect. He said, yeah, you'd think. But I found out over there, they read everything backwards. <laughs> and so, so when you think that you are moving in the right direction to find satisfaction and purpose and accomplishment because of anything other than Jesus, you're going to wind up disappointed over and over and over again. I want to put a, a verse on the screen for you. It's Jeremiah 29, verses 13 and 14. Jesus said this, or God said this, I'm sorry, in Jeremiah. He said, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. But there is a very interesting caveat in that passage of Scripture. If you seek me, you will find me, but you better be searching for me with what? All your heart. You know what he's saying? I better be at the top of the list. I better be the one thing that you move everything else to the side for. Don't put me to the side looking for satisfaction and accomplishment and purpose in anything else. Because if you do that, you will not find me. But if you seek for me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. Amen? Now let me just make an observation here. Because I know there are people all over America, and maybe some of you here this morning, you come to church every Sunday, and honestly, you don't really find a whole lot of satisfaction here. There are people in church. They come to church every Sunday morning. They show up at churches all over America. And they go because they know they're supposed to go, but they find no satisfaction. They check the box. I showed up. I did what I was supposed to do, but I got no satisfaction. I I don't even feel like God was there. 
And there might be some of you here this morning, I might be ringing your bell. If you are, let me, let me explain to you why you or anybody else can show up at church on a given Sunday and find no satisfaction. It's because you're not really looking for Jesus. See, if you show up to church and you're looking for a certain group of songs and not the Lord in the song, you're not looking for Jesus. If you show up looking for a certain style of preaching and not the God that the preaching points to, you're not looking for Jesus. If you show up looking for somebody to poo-poo you and to, to make you feel better about yourself instead of hearing from the Holy Spirit that points out your sin in the places that you need to repent, you're not looking for Jesus. And if you're not looking for Jesus, you will find no satisfaction here. But if you will look for Jesus with all your heart, he promises, he promises you will find satisfaction here. And why would we invest our time unless we're coming knowing we're gonna find the Lord that we wanna worship? Does anything else make sense? So they looked for the right thing. And looking for the right thing to have a better than usual Christmas is critical. But you know, hey, what's Christmas without presents, right? I mean, what is, what is Christmas without presents? So it's important to look for the right thing. I would say that as we look at the example of the wise men, it's important to give the right thing. So the Bible tells us that they came to Jesus' house bearing gifts. How cool is that? They came to Jesus' house bearing gifts. Now, I'm gonna mess up some of your manger scenes for some of you. Some of you know this already. Some of you don't, and, and I'm, I'm about to just kind of blow your whole Christmas arrangement at the house, and I'm really sorry about that. Uh, but in verse 11, in verse 11 of chapter two, you see that, uh, and when they came into the house, the, the house, not the manger, the, the house, now, I know for all across America, every time somebody sets up the, you know, the really cool manger scene, you know, you got, the, you got the angels, you got the animals, you got Joseph and Mary, you got baby Jesus, you got the shepherds, and usually standing right there with them, and maybe in your house too, you got the three wise men. It's so cool, except that didn't happen. Man, I'm just messing Christmas up for so many of you. But it didn't happen. They actually showed up after the fact. They got to Mary and Joseph's house. And when they got to his house, they came with gifts. Now, as you look at the life of Joseph and Mary, uh, I think it's reasonable to, to see that Joseph and Mary were probably blue-collar people and uh, just average, ordinary people. And if the wise men were really wise men, you would expect them to show up, you know, with gifts, you know, like gift cards maybe to Shalom Mart uh, <laughs> and uh, Rural Camel King and, uh, and uh, you know, plow supply. And, and they would have gift cards for them because that would be, that would be perfect for them. They, they could absolutely use those. But that's not what they showed up with. They showed up with some really, really strange, out of the ordinary, why in the world did you bring this kind of gifts? So what did they bring? Well, the Bible tells us that they brought three things, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What is the point of that? Well, 
The truth is, is that those three gifts are often associated with royalty and often used in worship. So let's talk about those real quickly, each one. All right, so gold, hey, it's gold. Who doesn't want gold, right? I mean, so that's, that's probably a no-brainer. That's a cool thing. But gold, just so that you know, gold was given to recognize royalty. So that's cool. All right, but frankincense, a lot of us really kind of not really sure on what to think about frankincense and myrrh. What the heck is that and why in the world did they get that? Well, first of all, frankincense uh, was something that was usually given to priests. And uh, as you may know, in the New Testament, uh, Jesus is referred to as our high priest. And this is before Jesus was even referred to as our high priest, but God was working in and through the wise men to bring a gift that was suited for the baby, the child that would become your and my high priest and giving him frankincense. Now, in case you don't know what frankincense looks like, it's, it's, it's not all that cool to see, uh, but this is basically what it looks like. And, uh, and I had some friends uh, in Peoria that uh, made a trip over to the Holy Land, and they brought me back gifts of frankincense and myrrh, and I was a little upset that they didn't bring me the gold. Um, I'm like, oh, okay, so I, I get frankincense and myrrh, but no gold, what's up with that? Uh, but I, I, have, I have held on to this for years, and I love it. It just, it means a lot to me. And so this, this is all that frankincense looks like. It's, a, it's basically a sap from a tree, and it's drained just like if you're going to drain maple syrup or something, uh, but it's, it's used to, in incense by priest, and it, it usually represents the priesthood. So they brought gifts of frankincense. They also brought gifts of myrrh. Now, quite honestly, myrrh, uh, I mean, frankincense doesn't look all that special, but this looks like just rocks that you dig up out of the backyard. I mean, nothing all that, uh, all that cool or compelling about this. But myrrh is also, it's kind of a gummy sap, although, you know, once it dries, it's not gummy anymore. But it's, it's a sap of a tree. It's a different tree, just kind of like uh, frankincense is. The difference between frankincense and myrrh uh, is that myrrh was associated with, with burials, with embalming. And the Bible uh, tells us in the Gospel of John, and uh, I see John chapter 19, just to make sure I got the reference right, Nicodemus came to get the body of Jesus uh, after he was crucified on the cross and brought about 120 pounds. Of, uh, of myrrh to embalm and uh, salve the body of Jesus Christ. And so the wise men who had no exposure uh, to the land of Israel, but it had exposure to Daniel, probably, from uh, those three wise men that we talked about earlier in a joke, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, Israelites were captured and carried off into captivity in Babylon and Persia, later Persia. That's probably how these wise men became acquainted with the scriptures of the Old Testament. And they were convicted by them. 
And just simply by reading them and by the, the movement of God in their life, they showed up with three incredibly beautiful, powerful pictures and gifts of the, the Lord that we worship. Gold for a king, frankincense for a high priest, and myrrh for a burial. How incredible is what God does and how he works. And as, as for the gold, by the way, um, this made sense, this makes sense, but what about the gold? What do you do with that? Well, if you continue reading in verse 13 and 14 of chapter two, you see that an angel showed up and told Joseph, hey, take Mary, take Jesus, go to Egypt. Now, we know that they were in, they left, they went to Egypt. Do we know how long? Not really. All that we know is the next thing we hear about Jesus is when he's in the temple reading and he's probably about 12 years old. When did they come back? We don't really know. No one knows exactly. But they were gone for a long time. They left everything they had behind and went to Egypt. How do you think they paid for that? They were blue collar people. But God provided. How? By bringing gold from the wise men. How cool. How awesome. How amazing. Well, that's what they brought to Jesus. What, what kind of gifts should we be giving? If we want to have a better than usual uh, Christmas, what kind of gifts should we be giving? Well, there's a few that I'd like to suggest to you this morning. Number one is maybe the gift of love and kindness. You know, I think sometimes one of the hardest things to do when it comes to Christmas is be kind and loving to the people that have gotten on your last nerve. And especially those EGR people. Some of you know what EGR means, many of you don't. EGR person is a person that means extra grace required. How many of you have an EGR, at least one EGR person in your life? Extra grace is required. <laughs> Kindness and love, this church should be given not just to the people that we like the most. This even needs to be wrapped up and given to the people that are extra grace required in our life. Another thing that I think would be a great gift, that's the gift of help. The gift of help. You know, it's really easy when we get to this time of the year to get so busy that we don't have time to help anybody else. You notice that? Man, I mean, we are running 100 miles an hour. Because we all got plans. We got those perfect plans that we made. Man, we got to be such and such a place, such and such a time to get such and such a thing done. And when the wheels fall off the wagon for somebody else, well, sorry, can't help you. I don't have time. Church, the gift of help might be one of the most important and significant gifts that you can give this Christmas season. The gift of help. And then the last thing that I would suggest to you is the gift of forgiveness. 
Do you know that Christmas is ultimately all about forgiveness? You think of it that way? Christmas is ultimately all about forgiveness. You know why? Because we offended everything that could be offended about the nature of God. But he wasn't okay to leave it that way. And so he sent his son and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He came, sent his son so that you and I and anyone else could receive forgiveness. And yet somehow at Christmas time, when family has disappointed us, friends have disappointed us, and we got a burr under our saddle about something or someone, no way, no how, I am not forgiving anybody. You have missed the entire point of Christmas. You want to give gifts that have lasting value this Christmas and you want to have a better than usual Christmas no matter what happens? Give the gift of love and kindness. Give the gift of help. Give the gift of forgiveness. And you know what I've discovered? Is that joy is usually found in its largest measure for those who are willing to do these things. You wonder why you're not having fun for Christmas? You wonder why you're so stressed out? You wonder why it's not being what you want it to be? Maybe it's because these aren't the gifts that you've been focusing on. So I'm going to ask our musician to come to the stage As we wrap up this message this morning, see, the wise men had a better than usual Christmas because they looked for the right thing. They looked for an opportunity to worship Jesus. And the busyness of the Christmas season, what are you really looking for? What are you really looking for? Is it Jesus? Can you honestly say that you are really looking for Jesus in the middle of the busyness of the Christmas season? If you want to have a better than usual Christmas, you see that the three wise men had a great Christmas because they gave the right things. They gave a lot of their time to worship Jesus. They gave their treasure to worship Jesus. Church, I would tell you this morning that no matter what happens between now and December the 25th, whether it's a good news or a bad news sort of arrangement, you absolutely, positively can have a better than usual Christmas if you will look for the opportunity to worship Jesus. Because if you do, he will be found. And you can have a better than usual Christmas if you will give the time to worship and your treasure in worship. If you're here this morning and you've heard the story of Christmas and the story of Jesus coming over and over again, but you have never taken the time to say, you know what, 
I want Jesus in my heart. I want Jesus in my life. I, I want the Jesus of Christmas to be in my heart and life today. I'm going to pray in a moment. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We call it the sinner's prayer, the prayer of salvation. And you can change everything about your life and your future in a moment by putting your faith and your trust in the Jesus that came to die on that cross for you and me. For the rest of you, today is a great day to make sure that you are looking for the right thing and that you're giving the right things. So would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will move in each and every heart and every life. God, may every obstacle be removed right now that would stand in the way of anyone doing what they need to do to make the the slate right with you. Father, for anyone here this morning that may not have ever said yes to Jesus and they they can't be certain that if they drew their last breath right now that they would go to be with Jesus in heaven for eternity. If that's you this morning and we're in this Christmas season and you just sense that maybe in a very real way and you'd say pray for me, I'm, I'm not really sure. Every head right now is bowed, every eye is closed. If you'd say Coach Mark, Pastor Mark, would you pray for me? I don't I'm not 100% sure that I would go to be with the Lord if I died right now. Would you raise your hand? I'll pray for you. I see one hand. I see another. I see another. I see another. I see two more. Those of you with your hands up, would you look at me for a moment? Nobody else looking around. Just you guys. This morning could be the best day of your life. Because this is what Christmas is about. This is why Jesus came. is so that you can be in relationship with him. To know him. To know that your sins are forgiven and that you have eternal life. I'm going to invite you to pray with you. You don't have to get up and leave. I'm just going to invite you to pray with me where you're sitting. The simple prayer. Dear Lord, I come to you this morning. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. And Lord, this morning, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sin. Make me a child of God. Lord, I confess I don't even know exactly what all that means right now and I don't even know what it all looks like. But God, that's my heart. So come into my life today. Save me. In Jesus' name. All heads are still bowed. All eyes are still closed. In a moment, I'm going to ask everyone to stand and we're going to open up the altar for you to just spend a little bit of time in prayer. If you one of those folks that prayed that prayer and asked the Lord in your heart, would you come and share that with me and let me pray and celebrate with you? Be the greatest day of your life.